May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So in this morning's Gospel reading, we hear about Jesus doing something that he does a lot of in the Gospels, which is getting into arguments with religious leadership in order to set them straight about what they're saying about God. In this case, the leadership that Jesus is arguing with is a group of people called the Sadducees. Uh, In Jesus' day, as today, there were many different schools of thought about God and about religion, and they argued ceaselessly with one another. And uh, we don't know a whole lot about the Sadducees, but what this passage and a few others in the Bible tell us is that, among other things, they apparently did not believe in resurrection. Now, at the time, resurrection, uh, particularly of the body, was a hotly contested teaching in Judaism. Uh, Ancient Judaism doesn't recognize any such thing as resurrection, but around the time of Jesus... Uh, scholars in the temple and in the synagogues debated whether God raised the dead to new life after they died. And the Sadducees were among a group of people who denied that this was the case. Now, that was 2,000 years ago, and since then, the church has developed in one direction and claimed on the basis of of the example of Jesus that there is such a thing as resurrection. And rabbinic Judaism has developed in another direction, um... And so we have a different way of talking about these things now than the people in the story from the Gospels did then. Additionally, in the last 2,000 years, we have developed some tools that can help us understand these deep mysteries a little more effectively. Uh, And I've actually brought one of those tools with me this morning. It's my magic eight ball. (laughs) So now, you have to ask a magic eight ball a yes or no question only. So we can't say... Magic 8-Ball, whose wife will she be? So let's start with the first husband. Will she be the wife of the first husband? My sources say no. (laughs) Will she be the wife of the second husband? As I see it, yes. The problem is solved. (laughs) I enjoyed... uh, enacting this stunt with you this morning, um, and was delighted to find the eight ball in my children's toy box last night so that I could do that. But I, I, I brought the eight ball and I shared that with you because the story from the gospel reminds me of an experience I actually had once. I was working uh, for a graphic design firm in San Francisco, and their offices were located on Market Street, right near 4th Street, And we had a client who had uh, asked us to do some sort of marketing promotion. I really don't have any recollection of what the the job was. But it involved uh, using Magic 8-Ball as some kind of a prop for this promotion that this company was doing. So when the client came to our office to meet with us to discuss the job, she brought a Magic 8-Ball so we could sort of have its dimensions and specifications and use that as we prepared our, our contribution to their project. And when she left our office, she left the eight ball behind. And, uh, and she called a few minutes later to say, oh, I forgot the eight ball. I really don't want to park again. Market and forth, it's not convenient. Could I just circle the block, and could you meet me at the curb and just hand me the eight ball? Sure thing. 
So I'm standing on Market Street with a magic eight ball in my hand, <laughs> waiting for this client to come around with her car so I can return it to her. And a few feet away from me, there's a homeless man of the type that looks like he was sort of passing through. He had a couple of bags, like a backpack, and he was holding a cardboard sign asking for money. And he, he says to me, hey, what's that? And I was frankly surprised that he didn't know what it was. But I said, well, it's a magic eight ball. And he said, what, what does it do? I said, oh, you ask it a question, and it gives you the answer. Ask it a question. Go on. <laughs> and he says, is there life after death? And I said, I don't know. Let's find out. So I shook up the magic eight ball. <laughs> and it came up, and it said, reply hazy. Try later. And I, being a good Episcopalian, I was pleased with an ambivalent answer. And so I said, look, we don't know. It's a mystery. <laughs> and then he said, oh, but there is. And I said, really? How do you know? And he said, seen it. And I said, wow. What's it like? And he said, Bliss. And we continued to talk for a few minutes, and he talked to me about the looks of fear on the faces of the people that he encountered on the street as he stood there asking for money. He said, people are afraid. And I said, what do you think they're afraid of? And he said, oh, you know, they're afraid they might be like me. The problem with the Sadducees is that they actually don't trust in God. They treat the question of life and death as if it's a calculation that we can solve, and they subvert the value of human lives to this calculation at the end of which death somehow has the final say. Because when this hypothetical woman and her hypothetical seven husbands die, that's the last thing we need to know about them, according to the Sadducees. Jesus wants you to know that that's not true. That the question of the resurrection is not a question about what is going to happen to us. When we think about resurrection or life after death, that's always the terms in which we phrase the question. What will happen to me? Where will I go? What will it be like Will I get to eat cheeseburgers? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Jesus wants you to know that the question about the resurrection is not a question about you, it's a question about God. What is God like? What kind of God is God? Is God the kind of God who does not have more power than death? No. God has more power than death. So in God's world, which is to say this world, even when things die or appear to die, for God, they continue to live. Raise your hand if you're not going to die. I see a few hands. Okay, Vance Frost. <laughs> Some of our young children in the choir here. Never going to die. Okay. Vance, I got news for you. You're going to die, like the rest of us. And for us, that is a frightening finality. 
So we live lives of fear in response to our uncertainty about what happens to us after we die. The solution, the remedy to our fear is not to calculate, to figure out, like the Sadducees are trying to do, what's going to happen. The solution is to listen to Jesus who says, for God, this is a non-issue. This is not an issue. For God, there is only such a thing as life. There is no such thing as death. Physicists have reminded of this, us of this when they say such things as energy can neither be created nor destroyed. Right? You can't create energy. You can only transform it. That's what God is like, transforming life from one sort to another. The matter for us is to do the work of believing that that's true, believing that that is the case, of believing that God is that kind of God who has more power than death. The more we believe it, the more we are able to live like children of God, whom Jesus says never die. They're like angels. The more we believe it, the more we're able to live in response to the anxiety of life with compassion, generosity, forgiveness, love, Charity, all of the virtues that we associate with a good life, they stem from our trust that God has more power than death and that even when we die, God will raise new life from our bodies. Ask any gardener whether this is actually true. We sow the decomposed matter of dead plants into the soil to grow new plants, (laughs) If we needed more evidence, we don't need to look further than our backyards, that God is more powerful than death. This is the news that Jesus has for us about God. And this is why I am a disciple of Jesus and not the Sadducees. How about you?